Good morning, Woodland Hills. It is great to be with you worshiping together. Um, are some of you doing the uh, 21 Day Boy Challenge? Are you? Are you? Is it working? Uh, I, I've, I've heard testimonies. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to get that message. Uh, it's a scientifically proven fact that if you will write down every day uh, things that you're grateful for, um, you can do it throughout the day or do it in the morning and at night, but uh, it uh, cannot help but make you happier. Amen. And who doesn't want that? It, it really does. I, I've been doing it, and it gets you in a good mood. Yeah. It's just, it's just now we don't do it for that reason. We do it because it brings our life more in conformity with God's will, because we're supposed to be thankful, but uh, it has that wonderful fringe benefit of uh, making you happy. And Jim, are you really wearing a Packers outfit here today? <laughs> Man, you, you, Hey, we, we love and welcome everybody here. We, but you do know this is Minnesota, right? This is Minnesota. Crying out loud. <laughs> okay, no heckling. All right, uh, so we're in this series, Course Corrections, looking at how we can partner with the Spirit uh, to just make a little adjustments in our life uh, that will have a long-term impact over the long haul. So we talked about gratitude last week. Uh, today I want to talk about relationships. And more specifically, I want to talk about uh, handling conflict in our relationships. There's a little course correction we can make that will make a big difference in our relationships if we pay attention to this and remember it and apply it. Um, it, it has to do with remembering that your map, your map is not the territory, which is the title of this message. Your map is not the territory. And I'll, I'll warn you up front, this is a little bit of an odd message, like that's odd, um, because I, I'm going to spend the first uh, two-thirds of this talking about the problem, so we can really understand the depth of the problem, the nature of the problem, and then I'll get to Scripture and uh, talk about some, some solutions. The map is not the territory. So, here's a map. You all know what this is. It's a map. And you know how maps work. This is a map of the Twin Cities. It cost me eight bucks. I, I, and and, and uh, I would think these things are going to become obsolete pretty soon because we all have that, uh, well, not all of us, but a lot of us have that talking, that omniscient woman in our phone who just tells us to turn right or left. So why do you need these? I was never good at these either. I, but anyways, uh, so here's a, this is a map of the Twin Cities. It's not the actual Twin Cities, but it's a representation of the Twin Cities. And, um, and, and we know how it works. It, 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 it represents things. It sort of interprets the Twin Cities to help us navigate around the Twin Cities. And so, so some things stand for other things. So like, like uh, this, this, uh, this road here, this thicker line uh, stands for a highway, and the smaller lines stand for roads, and the, the blue streak up here stands for a, a lake, and we got rivers, and, and things like that, all right? You know how that, these things work. But what if, work with me here, what if there was an alien from outer space uh, who came down and didn't know what a map was. Uh, so I'm going along, and I'm looking at my map, admiring this map, and then uh, an alien comes along, and just so you know, remember that the alien's talking, not me. I'm going to like, so here comes the alien, and the alien um, goes, great things, earthling, what is that? And I should apologize to all aliens from outer space. I am stereotyping you right now. I, I know you don't all look like this or talk like this. What is that? And I would say, well, this is, this is the Twin Cities. And the alien would go, very strange. I thought the Twin Cities would be much bigger than that, much bigger than three foot by two feet or whatever this is. Uh, 
And my superior told me that there would be in the Twin Cities all sorts of people. I see no people. And there would be cars and there would be trees and, and, and buildings and, and animals. And my superior told me that there would be an irritating amount of blood-sucking mosquitoes and an <laughs> unfathomable amount of road construction. I see none of that here. My, my superior will be very upset to know that she was so wrong about so many things. I will certainly be liquidated. And so I don't want to see the thing liquidated. So I, I uh, say, Mr. Alien! Australian, you got it wrong, you got it wrong. See, this is a map of the Twin Cities. It's not the actual Twin Cities. Um, and, 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 and here's how it works, is that, that, that it contains the information that you need to know if you're a driver. And, 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 and these things represent different things in the Twin Cities. This represents a highway, and this represents you know, a, a normal street, and this represents a lake, and that re represents a river. Um, and, and, but it doesn't include things like, like, like people and cars and buildings and animals and mosquitoes and road construction, because that's not what drivers need to know. Though, though now that I think about it, we could really use some road construction stuff on here. But um, you can't do that with a map. So it has to delete a lot of things. It has to exclude a lot of things in order to give us the things that are important for us to know where to drive and how to get there and things like that. And no doubt the alien would say, thank you very much for that information and go back to a superior where they're plotting the taking over of the Twin Cities. So um, now what we need to know as much as that alien needed to know is that our map, our map is not the territory. Uh, none of us has direct access to reality. Uh, what we've access to is our mental map of the territory. Our brain, our brain takes in data and forms representations uh, of, of what's out there, but we don't have direct access to what's out there. You, you think you are directly listening to me right now, but actually, you're not. Um, what's happening is that the light, light is bouncing off of me and jiggling you know, in, in, in different ways that gives you different colors and goes into your retina and optic nerve and, and that jiggles in your nervous system that then goes up to your brain and jiggles a certain set of neurons that then get decoded as guy up on stage talking to you. I do the same thing with my voice. I move my mouth in certain ways and my tongue in certain ways and it, it impacts the air and jiggles the air in certain ways that go into your eardrum and jiggles your eardrum, which then jiggles your nervous system that goes up into your brain, which jiggles a, a certain set of neural nets in combination with the other neural nets that give you sight. And together it gives you the, the reality of Greg Boyd talking up on stage to you. But the only Greg Boyd you really got is, is, is the Boyd between your ears. All I am to you is a bunch of popping neurons. That's all I am. But see, so you've got a map of me, but you don't have the real me. You don't have the real me. Uh, and sadly, that's how it is for all of our relationships. Uh, our map is not the territory. In fact, like all maps, uh, we have to uh, delete a lot of things in order to have the things that are relevant for us to navigate through this territory. Uh, our, your brain is, every second, uh, processing about a million, a little more than a million pieces of information per second, both from the outside world and your in, inner world. It's, it's processing all that. And it only offers up to you seven to nine pieces of information that, that it, it deems most significant to your current situation. Seven to nine. That's, all, that's, that's the most focus we can have. So if, if right now you're thinking about uh, that cute girl on the edge of your row and how you're going to introduce yourself to her after the service, you probably deleted me. Uh, you, you, can't, you can't pay attention to both, and you don't even know that I'm talking right now. So stop it and pay attention. You can worry about her later on. But th so the point is that our brains are very narrow. <laughs> our, our perspectives, our map of the territory is a very, very narrow map. We have to delete most of, of what's out there in order to, to attend to the things that our map deems most relevant to our current situation. And what we need to know is that whereas the, the, every map of the Twin Cities is basically the same, but no two brain maps are the same. Our brain maps can be very, very different. 
Um, in fact, they can be very, very different even in terms of the way they're wired. Neuroscience has now shown this, that, that uh, not all brains are, are, are alike. In fact, not, no two are exactly the same, and some of them are fundamentally different. So here's an example that's kind of relevant. And by the way, I'm going to, in this uh, message, uh, get into the neuroscience. I just mentioned it. We're also going to be talking a little bit about politics, but not because we're interested in politics, but because it illustrates so well the map is not the brain point that we're going to be making. So in this toxic political climate that we're in, um, this is an interesting thing. Neuroscience has discovered that uh, the brains of people who identify as liberal are fundamentally different than the brains of those who identify as conservative. And sadly, some folks on both camps don't think the other side even has a brain, but they do. It's just wired very differently. Um, they, I, I, here's one of the ways in which, by conservative or liberal, I, I don't just mean politically. It, it has to do with your lifestyle, uh, your religion, and all sorts of other things. But see, conservative brains, that, that brain map, uh, tends to have a larger right amygdala larger right amygdala, and that's the part of the brain that is in charge of processing emotional information, especially fear-related emotions, all right? Whereas the, the, the liberal brain map uh, tends to have a, uh, a, a larger and more active interior cingulate gyrus, which is in charge of processing new information. And this is one of the ways in which these brains can be different. Um, because of that different brain structuring, they, they process information differently, and so they interpret the world differently, make decisions differently. For example, uh, people with a conservative brain map tend to uh, be more cautious about things, whereas uh, people with a liberal brain map tend to be a little more adventurous. People with a uh, conservative brain map tend to view change as uh, negative, or at least it's, they're, they're aware of the potential negatives. Whereas people with a liberal brain map are more inclined to see change as a positive thing. Folks with a conservative brain map tend to view the past positively and the future somewhat pessimistically. Whereas folks with a more liberal brain map tend to view the past more negatively and the future more positively. People with a conservative brain map uh, tend to value loyalty. Loyalty to uh, tradition, uh, to traditional organizations or traditional authorities or traditional religion. Whereas people with a liberal brain map tend to value independence, uh, independent thinking, and, be, and they're, they're suspicious towards traditional institutions and authorities and religion. And people with conservative brain maps um, tend to, um, uh, what's the last, they tend to view, I forget the last point, but um, the, basically the conservative brain map, oh, they're, they're really averse to risk taking, whereas the liberal brain map is, is, is more open to risk-taking. And, and so the basic conservative brain map says, look, at the, the past is what's tried and true, and so let's stay loyal to it. But the liberal brain map just basically says, look, the past wasn't all that great, so let's explore new innovative ways of, uh, of improving things. Two fundamentally different brain maps going on here. Now, it's not that one, one is better than the other or truer than the other, though if you're strongly inclined towards one or the other, you tend to view yours as better and truer, but the fact is that they're just different. And we're talking about a spectrum here. Um, you know, on, on the extreme right, you have people with very large and active amygdalas and very little interior, uh, uh, sorry, uh, gy gy gyros, whatever it is, uh, going on. So they're on that extreme. On the other extreme, they have people with a really large and active uh, right amygdala, but um, their, their, their gyros just doesn't gyrate very much. And so they're the, the, those are on the extreme right and extreme left, and most of us fall somewhere in between. 
Okay, it's a spectrum. And a few of us fortunate folks are right in the middle and we're balanced in all things. So thank you very much. You're not buying that? You're not buying that? Okay, fine. So, so they're fundamentally different. It's not that you're predestined to be a liberal or conservative, but your brain wiring strongly inclines you in a, in a certain direction. Uh, but there's other things that also go into our brain mapping. Um, your life experiences, positive and negative, people who have influenced you one way or another, uh, your upbringing, um, you know, the, the, the beliefs and convictions that you've acquired along the way, and your own free will. There's, there's a number of things that affect the, the, our, our mapping of the brain. Uh, but it's, it, it's, it's wired to lean in one direction or the other. And, and um, so all of our, because our life experiences are different, all of our brains are different from one another. What they all have in common is that they're all very narrow. Our perspective on reality is all very narrow. Now this wide diversity of brain structures and life experiences uh, would be a wonderful thing if we remain humble and uh, remember that our map's not the territory. If we are humble and remember that the map's not the territory, then we would, we would solicit other people's input, especially those that are very different from us. Because we would know that, that, that our perspective is very narrow, so by including other perspectives, we have a better chance of having an accurate understanding of the territory. And if we remained humble and remembered our map's not the territory, we'd be able to work together effectively. And, and our differences would complement one another. And we, we'd move ahead. Um, we need that diversity. If everybody had a liberal brain, well, we'd never learn from the past, and we'd, we'd, we'd forge ahead and make all sorts of mistakes, but we'd never learn from them. If, if everyone's brain map was conservative, well, then we'd be stuck in the past, and we wouldn't want to be taking many risks to try to improve things. We need one another. We need the, the, the liberal brains to be pulling us forward, and the conservative brains to be saying, watch out, you know, there, there's, there's pitfalls here, you know, don't, don't go too fast, uh, you know, things can happen. That explains my marriage, kind of in a nutshell. Uh, it, it's uh, Shelly and I... Our brains are very, very different from one another. I mean, alien to one another. And we've had to work to like, get on the inside of each other's alien brain. But, but I'm always like this, where like, when the, the Renew Conference is coming up, I'm just like, oh, I can't wait. I'm all excited. I guess, you know, just forge ahead. And Shelly's always, she has lists of things that could go wrong. She's just like always, and sometimes I could get frustrated at that because it's like raining on my parade. I want to be excited. But see, I've got to remember that that, that, She's wired that way, and you're not going to change it. She's just wired to be cautious and be looking at all the things that could go wrong. And I need that. Boy, do I need that. Um, uh, otherwise, I, I, I'd be making a ton of mistakes. I'd make a ton of mistakes even with her caution things. But So there, there, it, there's kind of a pull there. But ideally, it would be a harmonious thing. And this is why I think God created all these different brain types that we have. Of course, the trouble is that in the fallen real world in which we live, the different brain maps don't always get along together so well, do they? Um, in the fallen world, the problem is that, the, pro the fundamental problem is that people tend to, in this fallen world, identify with their brain maps. It's part of their identity. And, uh, and people in the fallen world don't get all their life and worth and significance and security from Jesus Christ. And so we tend to get it from other things. And the most, the primary candidate is, our, uh, is the rightness of our brain maps. People love to feel like they're right, and they get life from that. And so people tend to identify their map with the territory, to assume that they've got a privileged perspective on reality. And see, if I identify my map with the territory, then if you disagree with me, you don't have just a different perspective on the territory. You're not even on the territory. So it means you're either really stupid or you're evil, <laughs> right? 
Uh, and and, and, and the, 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 the more passionate I am about the rightness of my brain map, uh, the more passionately I'll be opposed to your brain map insofar as it differs from mine, especially if your brain map gets in the way of an agenda set by my brain map. And so, so before long, fallen people are thinking, man, a brain map that's wrong is a brain map that's got to get gone. And, and, and so we end up having conflict and anger and eventually war. Um, all because we assume the map is the territory. This is, I think, like the source of all conflict in the world. At, at least this is a common denominator to all conflict in the world. Whether you're talking about international politics or local national politics or local social issues or family or conflicts in your growth groups or conflicts in your neighborhood, at every level, what's happening is people are identifying their map with the territory and delegitimizing other perspectives, saying that you're not even on the territory. Civility, civility requires, it, it depends on, it can't work unless people are willing to let their brain maps be stretched by trying to enter into the perspective of others, sincerely trying to get on the inside of others, that, that fundamentally see things differently. Civility requires an ability and a willingness to see things from another perspective. Sadly, and somewhat scarily, all indications are that we are losing that capacity. Um, in, in this country, and some indications are that in much of the world around us, Losing the ability and the willingness to enter into another person's perspective. Uh, to remember that your map is not the territory. Part of the, the, what aggravates this is cable, cable news. Because um, now, see, people can, can watch the news from the perspective that agrees with them. You get to see the version of reality that, that, that agrees with you. And since most people in the fallen world love to feel right and they love to feel righteous, they want to watch the version of reality that's going to confirm that they're right and righteous. And as they watch that same version of reality day after day and month after month and year after year, their brain maps begin to get rigid. And they increasingly identify their map with the territory. And the more they identify their map with the territory, the less able and willing they are to enter into brain maps that are fundamentally different from their own. And that's why we have this incredible deepening, widening divide that's going on in this country. On top of that, uh, and it probably is a reflection of this, Americans are increasingly living in silos and, 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 and talking in echo chambers. Echo chambers where you say a word that keeps on echoing, right? Well, it's a metaphor for groups where everyone thinks the same way and says the same thing. You're always, you're always preaching to the choir. And so we find that, that people with, with active interior uh, gyroses, they tend to hang out with other liberals. And the people with, with active right amygdalas, they tend to hang out with, with other conservatives. And increasingly, uh, we're not, we're not cross-pollinating. We're not interacting. The groups are becoming quarantined from one another. Um, and, and as they do that, their brain maps just get more and more rigid, and they identify the map of the territory, and they lose the capacity or the willingness to really enter into perspectives that differ from them. Let me give an example of, that, of this. I try to watch both MSNBC and Fox News um, because I don't want my map to get sucked into an echo chamber. And, and so to keep it from that happening, I always want to be hearing both sides. Which, by the way, if you're a cable news watcher, a Kingdom cable news watcher, I strongly encourage you to do. Because you don't want your brain... As kingdom people, we're ambassadors of a different kingdom, amen? And our job is to stay above the fray of the, the political, toxic discourse that's going on today. But if you're only watching one version of reality, you, you're going to get sucked in. Don't get sucked in. 
stay above it. So, so I try to watch both. So uh, this last week I was watching NBC, and um, uh, they were talking about this Harry Weinstein guy, uh, this, this uh, Harvey Weinstein whatever his name is, a Hollywood producer who we are now learning for three decades has been pressuring co-workers and subordinates into having sex with him. Uh, not good. And so they're talking about this. And because it's MS, MSNBC, uh, it's a very politically motivated uh, news show, they quickly are talking about Donald Trump. And then they're wondering, how is it possible that uh, we elected into office somebody who once bragged about sexually assaulting women? And, and, and then excuse it as being locker room talk. And they're talking among each other, and they're getting worked up. And at one point, this female commentator, very angry here, says, says this, and I quote, Any woman who voted for Donald Trump was voting yes to sexually assaulting women. Now, that's her map. But I'm pretty sure that that's not an accurate reflection of the territory. I, I know several women who voted for Donald Trump, and none of them were voting yes to sexually assaulting women. Uh, in fact, they all were disgusted by that locker room talk. It's just that they had, they believed, other reasons for thinking that Trump would be better for America than Hillary would be. And so they voted for Trump despite the grossness of that locker room talk. Now, clearly, this uh, MSNBC commentator can't, f she, 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 she doesn't agree with the reasons that these women might give for this. And it may be that she has been so locked in, into a democratic echo chamber that she can no longer even fathom reasons that people might have. Uh, and she's not maybe even willing to try to fathom reasons that people might have. So the only motivation she can think of is that if someone voted for Trump, they must be okay with sexually assaulting women. And so she projects her motivation onto these, all, all these other women. And in doing that, she's assuming that the map is, her map is the territory. And if you are one of the women who voted for Donald Trump right now, you might be getting a little angry. I would, I would think you'd be getting a little angry because I don't know many women who like to be accused of being in favor of sexually assaulting women. And it may be that you would get so angry that you wouldn't even any longer want to try to understand her perspective. There'd be an impulse to just say those stupid liberals are just, they're, they're, they're just they're, they'll say anything and do anything just to ignite their base and increase their ratings. And see, that just goes to show that that sort of inflammatory rhetoric is, is why this divide is deepening and widening and, and why people are demotivated to even want to try to get a bridge to, to, to go to the other side. It, it's totally demotivating. But let's be fair, the other side does it just as much. Um, so right, right after I got done with that delightful conversation on MSNBC, I turned over to news, to Fox News, because I don't want my brain to get sucked into an echo chamber. So I go to Fox News, and they're talking about the NFL. Uh, but they're not talking about the NFL. Uh, they're talking about the NFL players who are kneeling during the anthem. And um, they, they are just uh, going on about how right Trump and Pence are, that these people are, are dishonoring the flag. They're unpatriotic. They're dishonoring our troops. And, and, and one person said, you know, coaches, this is the time for you to show that you love America more than you love your pocketbook by benching, if not firing, any player who shows disdain to this great country by kneeling while the anthem is being played. Now, that is their map, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't reflect the territory. If you were to interview uh, any of these NFL players uh, or the people who, who support them, uh, I don't think any of them would say that they're doing this in order to dishonor the flag and dishonor the troops and show disdain for this great country. Um, 
I think they would rather say uh, they're, 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 they're being patriotic and they're honoring the flag. Uh, be, they're doing it by taking responsibility for uh, making our, our, helping our government be the best that it, it can be. And they would say that they're honoring what that flag stands for and what the troops fight for by, by um, exercising a right that that flag stands for, the right to protest. And they're accomplishing both by um, drawing attention to the disproportionate number of African Americans who are shot by police. Uh, and, and so in that way, they see themselves as serving their country. Now, the, the Fox News commentators, they maybe don't understand that sort of definition of patriotism. Uh, and, and maybe they don't understand or don't appreciate the cause for which these folks are, are, are kneeling. Um, and, and maybe they've been so long in, talking in a Republican echo chamber that they can't even fathom and don't even want to try to fathom what other reasons people might have for protesting in this way. So all they know is that if they were to kneel during the anthem, they would be dishonoring the flag. They would be being unpatriotic. They'd be dishonoring the troops. And... Um, uh, showing disdain for this great country. So they project that motivation onto the players and onto the, those who sympathize with them. And in doing that, they're making their map the territory. And if you're one who is deeply sympathetic to those NFL players and the cause they're standing for, I imagine that you got a little irate right now. Um, you know, no one appreciates, or very few people appreciate, being called unpatriotic and, and dishonoring the flag and dishonoring troops and showing disdain for this great country. You don't appreciate that, and so it, it makes you angry. And it might make you so angry that you no longer want to even try to understand that perspective. It'd be a lot easier just to dismiss them. Those, those, those conservatives don't really care about race issues, and, and they'll say anything and do anything to ignite their base and to increase their ratings. And folks, this is how, this just shows how that inflammatory rhetoric it just deepens the divide and widens the divide and demotivates people from trying to cross the divide. And so the divide gets farther and farther and deeper and deeper and more and more unbridgeable. Uh, there, are, there are some folks who are saying that, that um, the greatest threat to America is not North Korea or Russia or Iran. Uh, it is uh, this growing divide. Because uh, it... it countries becoming undone in the middle, and some worry that this divide could get to the point where uh, it's irreparable, and what would happen then um, is anyone's guess. But this, this, this divide that I'm talking about, this, this, assuming that the map is the territory and all the hostility that goes with it, it's not just a political reality, though the political reality manifested most clearly, but it, it, it's, uh, there's a number of indications that across the board with all of our relationships, our brains are becoming more inflexible. Uh, and, and it's harming relationships on every level, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our marriages, in our growth groups, in, 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 in church. It, it, it's, people are losing the, the ability and the willingness to really try to assume the best and believe the best and enter into the perspective of someone that thinks fundamentally different from themselves. It's a huge problem. Now, if that's the problem, what is the solution? I don't have a clue. I... Why do I always have to fix things? <laughs> well, look, at, I, I don't. I, I really, if you're talking about the, what's on the global stage and what's on the national stage, I, uh, I, I don't know how to fix that. Uh, what would be nice is if, if, if aliens would invade us, we'd have something to unite against. I bet we'd forget about our different brain structures then, uh, but that's not likely to come. So short of that, I'd say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, because I don't know where this thing's heading. But fortunately, I'm not, there's your hope right there. 
fortunately, we're not, I'm not called to fix the world, and actually we're, as a people, not called to fix the world. Not that we can't participate in the, trying to fix the world, but, but that's not our call. Our call is to be faithful to this alternative kingdom that we've all been recruited into. And, and the good news is that there is a solution within the kingdom. Hallelujah. Uh, and as always, the solution is centered on the person of Jesus Christ. So um, uh, let's talk about a kingdom solution by talking about Jesus. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture, a real famous passage of Scripture, from Philippians 2. And I'll be applying this specifically to this map territory issue that we're talking about. So here's what it says in Philippians 2. Paul starts by saying, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. All right? Do nothing. Everyone say nothing. nothing. That kind of includes everything, right? Uh, including all of our conversations, especially conversations that involve conflict. Don't ever enter into a conversation, let alone a conversation that has conflict with it, uh, with, with selfish ambition. Now, selfish ambition is where you're trying to promote your self-interest. Every brain map is driven by interest. That's what, that's what determines what you delete and what you include on your brain map. Uh, don't, don't go in there thinking that your brain map is, is uh, or, or with the agenda of just imposing your brain map on someone. You're going to win. And, 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 and don't, don't go into the conversation, he says, uh, with conceit. Conceit is any kind of uh, a sense of being superior. So don't go into any conversation, let alone a conversation that is, has conflict in it, with, with the assumption that your brain map, your interpretation of the territory is superior to theirs. So don't go trying to promote your map and don't go in assuming that your map is superior. Rather, he says, consider the other to be better than yourself. Now Paul here clearly isn't saying that we're supposed to have low self-esteem and think other people are better than us in the sense that they've got more worth. Because we know that Jesus died for all people, and that means all people have unsurpassable worth, and that includes us. So Paul's not saying that. What I think he is saying is don't, don't do anything, let alone enter into a conversation, let alone a conversation that is, has conflict in it. Don't, don't, don't enter it um, thinking that you're better. Rather, assume that they have better things to say or a better perspective to offer. What he's getting at is, is go into that conversation with, with a humble learning posture. What does this person have to say? And try to hear them saying it. So don't go in with an agenda to impose your, your own interests uh, or with a, impose your map. Uh, rather, go in humbly, trying to learn from their map. And then Paul says this. Look, let, each other, let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. As I said, every brain map's got your, your self-interest. It's, it's, it's looking at what is relevant to you and, what, and what's going to help you navigate the territory. Um, and, and so what Paul's getting at here is he's saying, don't go into the conversation uh, assuming your interest over theirs, but rather regard their, put their, put their interest first. Uh, what's driving them? What's motivating them? Try to get on the inside of, of, of where they're at. Um, you know, what's the heart of this person? Why are they uh, saying what they're saying? So don't go in there like just knowing what you want. Find out what they want. What are they concerned with? What, what, why is your husband you know, saying these things, or your child, or your neighbor, or the other person in the growth group? Uh, try to get on the inside of where they're at. And, and we do that by putting, putting that question above our own agendas. Find out what's driving this person. And then Paul says, and he's going to illustrate this by pointing us to Jesus Christ. He says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, didn't regard equality with God as something to be exploited, 
But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Let that mind be your mind. Let that map be your map. This is a mindset that we are all to have all the time in all conversations. The mindset of Jesus. Jesus didn't use his advantages as being God. He didn't, he didn't use those to promote his own self-interest. He didn't exploit those. But rather, he was willing to set them aside to enter into our perspective. All right? Um, you know, he, he had the one map that was the territory. He knew all truth. But he didn't just sit up there in heaven and shout down to us, Hey, you morons, you got it all wrong. Rather, he was willing to set that aside in order to enter into our world and take on our perspective, to see things from, from our, our, our point of view. He incarnated himself in our reality. Why? Because that's what love does. Love is willing to sacrifice to enter into the world of the other, uh, to, to, to try to see things from their perspective, to embody yourself in the world of the other. And see, if Christ was willing to do that, even though his map was the territory, how much more should we be willing to do that, knowing that our map is just a very, very narrow slice of the territory, a slice of reality? So, folks, the course correction that I'm putting out here this morning is that in all conflict situations, we've got to remember that the map is not the territory. Your map is not the territory. It feels like it's the territory, and it sure feels right, but always know in humility that, that it's not. And, and you need other perspectives. And we have to humbly listen to other perspectives. So here's three quick tips I'll end with uh, to help us do this, to help us apply this. The first one is one, if you've been here for any length of time, you've heard me talk about probably a lot. Uh, it's my number one sermon because it, everything hangs on this. This is the fuel of the kingdom. Uh, get your life from Jesus Christ, which means get your core sense of love and worth and significance and security from what God thinks about you as he's revealed it on the cross. This ought to be the thing that, that, that is internal to all of us, that, that makes us feel good about ourselves and our, our, our life worth living. Um, when people get mad and angry and all bent out of shape because their map is being challenged, it's because they're clinging to their map too tightly. Uh, they're getting some element of their core sense of being loved and worth and significance and security from the rightness of their map. And if you're getting life and worth and security from the rightness of your map, well, then you have no choice but to oppose anybody who is going to be disagreeing with that. You'll be assuming that your map is the territory. You get life from that. That's what, that's going on, that's what was going on with this Fox News and MSNBC thing. MSNBC, MSNBC thing. <laughs> Earthling, you talk very funny. See, the... The, the folks on MSNBC that, that day, they were, you know, they were celebrating that they are the people who really care about sexual assault on women. The other side just doesn't care. And they're, they're, there's a feeling of righteousness and rightness in all this. They're making an idol of their stance, which is why they're not willing or able to enter into the perspective of, of the women who voted for Trump and didn't have that motivation at all. And the other side, they're celebrating themselves as the group that we are the true patriots as opposed to those unpatriotic people. And we honor the flag and honor our troops and, and honor this great country. We don't disdain it and dishonor it like those people do over there. Uh, they're, they're getting life from this. We are the righteous and the right. And they are the wrong and the evil. Um, you know, folks, uh, uh, we've got to stay above that, that fray. And, and uh, 
Jesus was able to, to set aside his advantages because his, his advantages weren't his identity. His identity was love. And, and by the same means, only if we are getting all of our life and worth and significance and security from what God thinks about us as it's revealed in Jesus, are we going to be able to, to set aside our perspectives to enter into the perspective of others? Um, and so and it's, that can be very hard to do in conflict situations. So I encourage you, if, if you're in a conflict, uh, a disagreement, talking through, remind yourself through that conversation where your source of life is. I have a mantra, I've shared this before, and a number of people have told me they found it very helpful. When I'm entering into a, a conflict situation, maybe someone's going to publicly say that I'm a heretic, and that's happened a couple times. Uh, you know, it, there, there can be, the, you find your heart rate starting to speed up, and there can be, if you're, not, if, if, if you're not careful, you get triggered, and your amygdala starts to get activated, and you just want to bury that little tweeve and, and, and just, you know, Slice them up with your arguments, but that's not quite Christ-like. That's not the same mind that Jesus had. And so what I do is I, I just say to myself, my life is Christ. Nothing else matters. Life is Christ. Nothing else matters. Uh, life, and I'll say it throughout the whole thing. Life is Christ. Because see, if my life is Christ, then, then looking good in front of others doesn't matter. And if my life is Christ, then winning this debate really doesn't matter. And uh, uh, having all the best arguments doesn't really matter. I'll still debate the person, but now I can do it in love rather than it being defensive while I'm protecting some idol of my rightness. And, and so remind yourself, life is Christ. Nothing else matters. And I, you still engage, and you may not agree with the person, but you can now do it in a, in a loving way. Uh, I also encourage folks, as I always do here, um, to spend regular time getting your life from Christ. Have a date with Jesus. Uh, I like to just lower the lights and put on some soft music because that opens up the heart. And then ask the Spirit to help you imagine Jesus, uh, however that works for you. And now, when we all need this, our soul is starving to get this. Where we, Jesus says to you all the things he says about you in the New Testament, but now he says it to you, making eye contact with you and with your name. And just drink, just, just wallow and just enjoy getting that life from him. Uh, and, and, and your sense of worth and significance and, and your security all found there. Because you've got to stay fueled up, all of us. You know, Paul said that everything we do is to be done out of love. Uh, he's compelled by love. Well, if, if we're going to be living life out of fullness of love, we've got to have time where we fuel up. If the last time you fueled up was three months ago, you could be running close on empty now. And when a conflict situation comes along, you're going to have a hard time uh, getting all your life from Christ and therefore being able to set aside the idol of your rightness. Get your life from Christ. Secondly, uh, remain humble and speak humbly. If you're getting all your life from Christ, see, it empowers you to be humble. It empowers you to be able to remember that your map is not the territory. So it empowers you to be able to now begin to understand and enter into the world of the other. Uh, when people get angry and loud and defensive because someone's challenging their, 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 their map, they're not being humble, they're being arrogant because they're assuming that their map is the territory and that they know the truth and nothing but the truth. Which is never true, by the way. You don't know the whole truth and nothing about the truth. You have a very, very narrow perspective on, on the truth. Uh, and, and this person that you're debating or having conflict with, they might have a truth that you really need. And so remain humble. Um, getting your life from Christ, now you can speak humbly. Uh, for example, instead of just saying, here's a fact, um, it's good to qualify your language by, and just reflect humility by saying, here's, here's what I think is a fact, or here's my perspective. From where I sit, 
it seems to me those kind of words are very important. Because see, if you just state facts, here's the facts, and the other person says, no, here's the facts, well, now you got fact against fact, and there's no negotiating room. <laughs> you know, it, it, all you can do is scream at each other, you're wrong, no, you're wrong, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, poopy face, dummy. <laughs> but if, if we just are humble and say, no, here's how I see it, Stick to what, because that's what's true. This is, all you know is how you see it. You don't have any un, unmediated access to facts. You only have your map of the facts. So acknowledge that as you're talking. And that, that leaves negotiating room. There's no room to wiggle around facts. But if, if, there, if you're talking perspectives, well, now I can share a different perspective. And maybe we can find that we meet in the middle somehow. Um, so, so qualify your language. It's also really good not to use, in conflict situations, don't use you statements. Use I statements. Now, in love situations, talk you. But in conflict situations, talk you, me. Talk, use I statements. Um, instead of saying, you were a real jerk last night, maybe it would be better to say, uh, what, what, what you said to me last night really hurt me. You know, that you know. Uh, and, and, and it just leaves more openness for conversation. And maybe most importantly, um, never assume you know the motives of someone. Um, that's where we tend to be at our worst. When we, pro- we project what we think would be their motivation, uh, we project it onto them. We assume that you know, the, the only motivation we can fathom is the one that they must have, and so we, we assume that. Um, don't, don't assume that. You know, when we, uh, Shelley and I were first married, uh, if I would forget things, which happens quite a bit, uh, I forgot we were supposed to meet someplace or whatever, she thought that, that was because it wasn't important to me. Um, and it, actually, it has nothing to do with importance. I, one time, forgot to go to a meeting to defend my doctoral dissertation. I don't think anyone in the history of Princeton ever did that. But I, I for, so if, if something can be supremely important to me, and I'll forget it. Uh, and now, now that she's learned that, now she's, that's why anyone who wants to meet with me talks to her. Uh, I, I don't run my own schedule. I don't, she, she, everything's run by her. And thank God for that, because if it was up to me, I stand up 98% of meetings I'm supposed to go to. Uh, don't assume you know the motivation. Rather, ask. Ask. You know, don't assume that if they're kneeling, that they're dishonoring the flag and the troops and showing disdain towards America. Ask. Don't assume that every woman who voted for Trump was, was saying yes to sexual assault. Ask. Um, and, and, and doing that, see, it keeps our, 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 our maps from being too rigid. Uh, so we can be, try to fathom what reasons they might have and learn from them. And by the way, when a person gives you their motivation, it's not fair, though the cable news stations across the board always do this, it's not fair to, to keep on accusing them of your motivation uh, when they've already given you their motivation. The job is to try to understand and appreciate their motivation. You don't have to agree with it, but at least understand it. Our trouble is that a lot of times we don't even know what we're disagreeing with. We think we know what we're disagreeing with, but you might find that if you take the time to learn uh, that you're not as far apart as you thought you were. Speak humbly and talk humbly. And finally, suspend your map. Be willing to suspend your map to uh, enter into the map of another. Uh, I, I should qualify this uh, in light of a conversation I had after the first service. This only applies to normal people, <laughs> um, though there's a spectrum there for sure. But if a person's insane, you don't want to try to enter into their map and suspend your own. They need you to be the sane person, okay? So that qualification. But, see, here's the thing. Christ set aside the advantages of his perspective, even though it was the, 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 the right perspective. He set that aside to enter into our own. He made space for us. Um, and and our, we're to have the same mind that he had. 
The trouble is, see, if we're clinging to our maps as an idol, if we're, if we're clinging to the rightness of our maps, then when we get in a conflict situation, what we're interested in doing is convincing the other person of our map. Uh, and and we're, we're trying to force it on them. We're not really listening to them. And so if we go into this with a clinging to our maps too tightly, uh, well, we're, we're much more inclined to talk than we are to listen. And even when we're listening, we're not really listening because we're waiting for our turn so we can blast them in response to what they just said. We're not really trying to get on the inside. See, folks, since we know that our perspectives are narrow, wisdom would stipulate that let's, let's first listen before we talk. Uh, learn what, where the other person's coming from before we talk. And, and, uh, um, and to do that, you've got to be willing to suspend your map and, 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 and truly submit yourself to them and, and seek to learn what, what they're saying, why they're saying it, and, and uh, um, you know, to, to understand what, what's going on there. So in, in, in every conflict, there's a time to share, but, but our default should be to first listen and to learn. And to genuinely try to get on the inside. Christ incarnated himself in our reality. Our job is to try to incarnate ourselves in their reality. To try to really embody it. To genuinely understand it. You may not agree with it. That's fine. But to really understand it. Um, I, I, I have a little mental game. i got an active imagination. So here's how I do it. Maybe it'll work for you. But I actually try to pretend like I'm them. Like I, I, I'm here talking to them. So I try to imagine myself over here arguing against me. And, and what, what are they thinking? You know, where are they coming from? Really try to embody myself in them. Um, and it's just a way of that now expanding your map, stretching your map, uh, to enter into the perspective of another. That is what love is all about. It's what civility requires. And kingdom people, we've got to be all about that. So be willing to know, know that your map's not the territory. And that means that get, we need to be always getting our life from Jesus Christ. It means we've got to enter into conflict situations humbly and speak humbly, and it means that we've got to be willing to uh, suspend our maps to genuinely enter into and understand from the inside the other person's map. So in the world here, you know, as with all diversity, ethnic diversity, national diversity, brain diversity has become a problem for this fallen world. And I don't have a solution for that other than Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But uh, in the kingdom, what the world regards as a problem, in the kingdom, we have to see it as a beautiful thing that it is. Uh, it's good that we all have different brains. We need one another. We need one another's perspective. And in the process of learning the other perspective, um, th th that's how we grow in love. So in the kingdom, this is something to celebrate. Remember that your map is not the territory. Walk with humility and, and, and celebrate the gift that the other person's perspective is. Don't have to agree with it. But, but uh, it's good that they're not wired exactly like you. It's good that you're utterly, utterly unique. Amen? Would you stand? Amen. If uh, you're here this morning and I have any need that could use prayer, I encourage you to come up here. Our prayer teams will be at the stairs, and they would love to minister to you. Uh, take advantage of that. And if you're here this morning and you are uh, not a surrendered kingdom Jesus follower, I encourage you to become one. Uh, think about that. If you're interested in that, uh, come up here and talk to these folks, and they would love to, they would just love to uh, uh, explain to you what that is all about. So as we go out of this place, earthlings, I don't know why I feel like doing this. These are so cool. Like, like, like. Oh, stop. Uh, Earlings, as you leave this place, do it humbly, knowing your map is not the territory. Love on one another and be hospitable all together. God bless you guys. Love you. I'm thankful for you.